Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of pre-service and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for their educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about in this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 31. I am just coming off a four-day vacation down in sunny Florida where I spent four days with my family playing on the beach and catching fish and swimming in a pool and uh, doing a whole lot of nothing. And it was recharging and refreshing. And uh, I don't know, there's something about vacation. I know we all know it. It's good for the soul. (laughs) I didn't feel like it was long enough four days, but that's all we were able to squeeze in, but man, do I like to squeeze it all in. And so I'm feeling good and refreshed. And I've been, and I spent some of that time, you know, not working, but letting my mind think about, all right, what are some of the things you want to talk about uh, this spring? What are some of the things that you need to reinforce for yourself that maybe you can remind others about that you can share ideas? What are some of those things? And so this episode is a reflection of some of those deep thoughts that I had while I laid on a beach, uh, sipping margaritas, um, and not thinking about work. Uh, sometimes those thoughts cre- crept in. And uh, one of them that, that's been on my mind a bunch lately, and, and I thought maybe it'd be helpful to talk about it here on the podcast before I do anything else with it, is this idea of critical feedback and, and being able to accept it and let it work on us and let it work on the things that we're working on, but then uh, also like not let it get you down too much because it's just feedback. And, and how do we do that well? What is the point of getting critical feedback and how do we allow it to be a positive in ourselves as teachers, but then also how do we teach our students or, or how do we lead a, a school culture? If you're a school leader, how do we create a culture where feedback is embraced, where constructive criticism isn't something to avoid, but instead something to lean into to allow it to inform us the way that we approach our work and approach our lives and, and all of our interactions, allowing feedback to be a good, positive thing in ourselves. Because um, I think we'd all agree that it's really easy to take offense at, at someone's constructive criticism if we don't have the right mindset to accept it. And, and I guess the reason I was thinking about this as I laid on a beach uh, is, you know, I put a lot of stuff out into the world. And, 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 and that's just something I choose to do. And I know when I do it, when I put out a video or I write a book or I make a blog post or I, I share some thoughts on social media, every time I do this, I'm kind of opening myself up to people not necessarily liking everything I put out there or, or accepting that maybe somebody with a little bit more wisdom in a certain area than I have or maybe with more knowledge in a certain area, more experience, is going to give me an alternative perspective to what I just wrote or I put out into the world and that's going to shift it. That's going to shift the way I think and, and you know, like this winter, I've been putting a lot out on the internet. You know, if, if you follow me on social media, you probably see that a few times a day I'm putting stuff out there. And this is literally just a reflection of what's going on in my brain and what I'm learning and what I'm reading and what I'm experiencing and reflecting on my own teaching experience and others. I put it out there and, and 
and then I get feedback. And, and I often get lots and lots of comments and thoughts and sometimes emails about what I write. And sometimes it's really, really affirming people being like, you know, I love this idea. Thank you for sharing it with me. Or I love this perspective or this is spot on. And I got to tell you, my ego loves that. It loves it when I get affirmation for the stuff I put out there and to see that, oh, this is positively responding or, or, or settling with people and that I'm getting this positive response. But then sometimes I put stuff out there and while I get lots and lots of positive responses, so it's sometimes met with, uh, I think you missed this. Or sometimes you get, uh, you're wrong about this or this didn't work for me. And, and you know that... You know, as much as I'm aware of the fact that, hey, this is somebody else's perspective and, and maybe you can shift the way you think about this or maybe you did leave this out or maybe you could add more. Um, the reality is it still stings sometimes. It stings to get critical feedback on your work. And, and if you're like me, the stuff you put out into the world, you're proud of. You, you take time on it. You know, when I sit down and I write a 2,000-word blog post, I'm spending hours and hours of physical time sitting at a computer writing it. But then also, this is like, you know, the, the conglomerate of all of my experiences and ideas and knowledge. I'm putting it out there. And then for somebody to attack it or to give constructive criticism of it, it stings. It, it's hard to not take it personal. And when that happens, when you take something personal or you allow it to wound you in some way, sometimes you don't allow that feedback to actually have a positive effect on your work. Let me, let me try to explain what I mean by this. I'm going to give you a story from high school. When I was in high school, my best friend and I, we had this big science fair project in class. This was in 10th grade. And, and for this project, I built an electromagnetic engine. So using the power of electromagnets that we assembled using old copper wire that we found, wire that we found in my, uh, my garage, me and my friend Paul, we invented a device that could cure the world's need of fossil fuels and save the planet from global warming. We invented the electromagnetic engine. And, and at least that's what I thought we did at the age of 15. And we had this incredible device, this prototype to prove it. I mean, we literally made an engine that worked just on electricity. And, and you know, my science teacher liked our ingenuity so much that he even allowed us to bypass the school science fair. He said, listen, this is the best in the school. You're gonna win it. I want you guys to go directly to the state competition. And I remember me and Paul thinking as we invented this device, this is going to be our huge break. You know, we dreamed of patenting our project at some point after winning the gold medal and, you know, heroically declining to sell our design to giant oil companies and make sure that every person in America would be able to afford to drive a car with our engine in it. We were going to invent this thing and we were going to be multi, multi-billionaires because we came up with this idea and we were so excited about it and so we made this design and we thought it was completely original which by the way um we expect we experienced a little defeat a couple years later when google was invented and we found out that this electromagnetic piston we designed had already been invented actually decades before this uh, and we just didn't know it yet so anyway spoiler alert to the rest of my story maybe this isn't good storytelling um we did not become multi-billionaires and uh, we did not invent anything here but we thought we did, and our teacher was proud of us, and he sent us to the state science fair, and we were ready to go in there and conquer it and win it, but there was a problem. The problem was we arrived at the state science fair having forgot to create a poster board to explain our design. 
and neither my best friend or I had rehearsed our pitch to the judges for, for our invention, and we rambled our entire way through the presentation, and we left out some really major points, and we didn't have any type of visuals other than our prototype, and we were supposed to have some type of poster board to have it here, and the batter, battery that we purchased to power the electromagnetic piston was almost completely dead when we plugged it into our machine at our science fair booth. The stupid thing was completely dead by the time that the judges came around. So needless to say, my friend and I, Paul and I, we didn't win the state science fair and we left that convention feeling completely defeated. Sometimes ingenuity is not enough and success depends on more than just a good idea or even hard work. Success depends upon your ability to receive critical feedback, to find out what your idea is missing, what you need to do to be successful, and then accepting that feedback and allowing it to inform your further work to improve on your idea, improve on your product so that it can actually be successful. As a 10th grade student, that process didn't exist for us, and that's why a lot of big points were missing. You know, and in the same way, when I go and put something out into the world, I put a blog post or a video out there, and, and people are giving feedback about what they think is missing, or maybe another perspective, or something that could be added to it. Something I have to do is realize that, yeah, Everything can be improved upon. Everything can be made better. And when you put something out into the world to, a, to, to peers, to people who also share some expertise and ideas and wisdom and experience, that is an opportunity to grow your idea, to strengthen it, to make whatever you're putting out into the world better than it was. And, and so when I look back at the science fair project, I realize we had a good idea, but I also realized there was a lot we could have done to make it better, to make sure we were prepared for that moment. And so I have this process that I've always used with students, and I use it with teachers when we're planning out learning experiences. It's called tuning, and it's essentially a process to help that serves to enhance or augment a project idea or, or, or augment and, and make better something that students are working on. And, and I'll explain how tuning works, but essentially it can work in large or small groups, and it serves to provide students or us, teachers or educators or people, with critical feedback to improve whatever it is that they're working on. You know, a collaborative team of students will present the material that they're working on, whatever it is, to an audience, which can be the rest of the class or other small groups, and then they receive critical feedback from the audience to tune or enhance whatever it is that they're working on. So there's three stages to the tuning process, and I just want to share with you what this process looks like, and hopefully in an audio podcast form, this can make some sense to you, and maybe you can go and try this process out with your own students or the group of people who you work with. So stage one in the tuning process is presentation. So a presenting group, the group that has an idea, will describe and display whatever their existing material or idea is to the audience, which is the whole class or a small group. And then during that presentation, as they're, pre they're presenting it, may, and that can be for an allotted amount of time, that could be for two or three minutes, while they're doing that, the audience is taking notes on what they like about the, present, the presenting group's material and what they wonder could be done to improve it. And, and during this process, the audience doesn't ask questions, they're not giving comments, they're not raising their hands, they're just listening to the presentation and they're recording what they like and they're recording what could be done, what they wonder could be done to improve it. And that, so that's round one, that's presentation. And then round two is the feedback stage. So what happens here is the presenting groups, they just shared their idea, now they turn away from the audience and, and, 
and are completely removed from the conversation. When they're turned away, the rest of the group, usually led by the teacher, will have a conversation about what could they, what could be done to strengthen their idea. This is where they share their likes and wonders. They're giving their feedback and they're sharing it with each other. They're saying things like, ooh, I like that they use that color scheme, or I like that research they showed, or I like that they want to create this for that, for that problem, or I like that they're creating a video. They're sharing all the things they like, and then they say, all right, what do we wonder they could do to improve it? I wonder if they should use larger font. I wonder if they should create some type of poster board. I wonder if they can clear, clarify their points a little bit because it seemed a little scrambled, right? Like they can give the feedback that, that the presenting group needs to improve their project and be ready for whatever comes next. And while they're doing this, the presenting group is recording all of this feedback that they're listening to. They're not joining in on the conversation. They're not interjecting and saying, oh no, I chose that color scheme because of, no. They're actually just listening and recording the feedback. Whether they plan to use that feedback or not is irrelevant, they're recording it. They're, they're showing that they're listening to it. They're not responding to it right here in that moment. They're gonna respond to it with whatever their final product is. You know, if, if they heard this feedback and they're like, whoa, that's a good point, that color scheme really doesn't work. All right, they're gonna show that they heard that feedback with their final product by changing the color scheme. Or maybe they heard that feedback and they thought, you know what, I still like the color scheme and they just don't understand why I chose it, I'm going to stick with it. That's fine too. You know, sometimes I'll make a video and somebody will give me lots of pushback and I'll say, yeah, let's agree to disagree. Or, yeah, I see your point, but I still kinda, I, I'm, I'm still agreeing with what I actually wrote down or what I recorded in that video. That's fine, you don't have to accept all of the constructive feedback that comes your way. But I do think it's important to listen to it. And through this strategy, this process, students are learning to actually listen to feedback. And so they're writing it all down. Um, they're, they're writing down those likes and wonders. And then after this exercise, I, I give them an opportunity to reflect on it. That's round three, that part three is reflect on what you did. And so I'll say to groups, all right, you've gotten this feedback of likes and wonders, now as a group, if you're working in groups, I want you to talk to each other about the feedback you just heard, and I want you to decide what, which pieces of feedback are you actually gonna use and incorporate, and which ones you're not gonna use. And sometimes I'll have them even write that down and turn it in as a formative assessment to show that you are critically thinking. You are actually uh, ex accepting feedback and you're letting it work on you. I wanna see, I want you to demonstrate that you can actually do that and so I'll have them write it down. The point being is that they're learning to take constructive feedback and figure out what is helpful for me, what isn't helpful, because someday they're not gonna have a protocol like this tuning process to be able to give and receive constructive feedback. Instead, they're just gonna have to use language that, that best delivers constructive feedback and also it receive it really well. And so through this process, they're learning some of that vocabulary, right? Like words like, I wonder, start replacing you need to, or it, maybe they learn like, oh boy, it's really helpful to receive I likes, some affirmation, positive affirmation. That really makes it easier to metabolize some of those I wonders, those things that are a little bit harder to hear, you know, and there's even science that shows that, but students learn that through a protocol like this. They're learning how to give positive affirmation before giving some of that constructive criticism. And they're also learning, you know, the reason I have groups turn away while, while we're sharing out our likes and wonders. The reason I have them turn away is because I want them to kind of remove their personalities from it and help them realize like, yeah, th th they're not giving constructive criticism about me, 
they're criticizing or they're helping tune my idea. There's a difference. And I want to remove that personal aspect. And I find turning them away helps them do that. But then through all of this, I want them to learn like, oh, constructive feedback doesn't kill you. It actually makes you and your idea stronger. And so we're going to use this protocol to keep driving in that point to get better and better at giving it and receiving it so that someday when the protocol is gone, I know how to say, hey, I wonder if we should change this slide or I wonder uh, if, if we can do this better or I wonder if we can change that verb a little bit to make it a little bit more clear. See what I'm doing here? Like, like I'm using, I'm changing language, but you learn that language through protocols and then it starts making its way into your everyday vernacular, into your professional work life and how you give and receive this type of feedback. It's important that students learn how to do this. And I ima imagine if kids starting in elementary school start learning how to give this type of feedback and they do it in a structured, safe way in school so that someday when it, there's not a structure for it, they know how to do it. Imagine what effect that would have on people if they knew how to give and receive constructive criticism. Right, I look back at that science fair project and I think about, man, I was really disappointed that we didn't win. <laughs> I, was really I was really kind of embarrassed when the judges asked us for our poster board and visuals and we didn't have them. And I wonder, and this is, I, I didn't know this until I learned it either, but I wonder if in science class, if before we went on to the big event, we ran through this tuning process. I wonder if me and my friend Paul would have kind of presented our project to the class and then turned away and they had a discussion about what they like about our presentations and what they wonder we could do to improve them. I wonder if that would have made us more successful at the state science fair. I wonder if somebody would have said, I really like their idea and I like their prototype. I wonder if they should have a poster board. I wonder if they could be a little bit more clear. I wonder if they can help explain the science better. I wonder if they have some type of visual they can show that's gonna help me understand this concept. I, I bet you if I would have been given that con that those uh, pieces of feedback and we had time as a group to figure out and synthesize it and, and figure out how we're gonna incorporate it, if that would have had a major impact on the success of the project. Now, hindsight's 2020. I don't know. I just know that I have used this process more and more with students. And it started off as like, oh no, this is something you just do in class. You, you have to run through this process. I was taught it um, when I started working at a project-based learning school and it was kind of just like, oh yeah, this is a protocol that you use if you do project-based learning. But then I started using it and then there was times where I didn't use the process, where I didn't use tuning and let students just do their project ideas and whatever it is they were working on and it got all the way to the very end and we'd see some pretty big failures, which is okay. You can learn a lot through failure. And then, but then I was like, oh, wait a minute. We can't skip the tuning process. This is a necessity when students are creating important work for the world. When they're creating something that's actually trying to solve real problems, they need to be, they need to get that constructive criticism. They need that feedback. They need to learn how to give it as well. And so I've started to see this as a tool, a, nece a necessary tool that students have to improve their work. It's the same with like peer editing. You know, if you're an English teacher, you know that students' essays get better 
when they actually go through a strong, rigorous peer editing process where students are learning to kind of give feedback to each other and have different lenses to view their work through, it strengthens their writing. And so I think we have to teach this to students. And we've got to start young. They've got to learn at a young age that it's okay to give constructive feedback. That doesn't make you a bad guy. And it's also okay to receive it. People are not, const are, are not criticizing you. They're, they're, they may be giving critical feedback to your idea. And there's a difference. And I think if we can teach this to students, if we can teach them um, you know, to use feedback in large groups and small groups and allow it to inform what they're working on and help them not miss important details on the way that they're creating whatever it is they're creating, when they learn how to do this, it makes their work better and it makes them better at working with each other. And, and I think it builds confidence. I, I think students learn to, to have higher self-esteem when they see that, yeah, my work is always a work in progress, so am I, and yet it makes me stronger, and it makes me better at whatever it is that I'm doing. You know, oftentimes tuning reveals errors and confusion that goes unnoticed by the creators. Anyone who spent many hours creating something knows the propensity to miss details because of being so immersed in a project. You know, and this is why a second or extra 30 set of eyes can be really useful. And so try the tuning strategy, you know, and, and if you want to go deeper into it or if maybe I didn't explain it as clear as I would uh, in person or in a video, um, th this is something I talk about in my book, The Epic Classroom. There's a whole chapter on tuning. So feel free to check that out on there. I also talk about it in the collaborative classroom because this is at the heart of collaboration is being able to be honest with other people. So you can learn more there. I've also got some videos on it as well. Um, so feel free to dig in deeper on this, um, but more than anything, even beyond the process, I hope if you take anything away from this podcast episode, it's the absolute imperative nature of constructive feedback. We need it. We need to allow it to work on us. We have to be open to it. That's why when I put things out into the world and on the internet, or when I go into places and I share my ideas and thoughts with other people, yet sometimes it feels a little bit like a punch in the gut when I get constructive criticism. And yet every single time it makes my work better and it makes me better at what I do. You know, one time I'll, I'll finish with this story. One time I went and gave a keynote at a, at a conference and afterwards the conference organizers did a survey, a simple, very common survey asking uh, the audience members, what did, what did you think of Trevor's keynote? And I remember getting all of this feedback uh, back from everybody. It was like a hundred slips and like I swear 99 of them were really, really positive. Everybody was like, oh, I love this, and I love his storytelling, and blah, 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 and you gotta believe it. My, you better believe my ego was like swelling really big. It felt really good to get all of this positive affirmation. So my head got real big. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I read one of the survey feedback, and somebody said, oh, Trevor kept doing this, and it really distracted me. And then they gave me, like out of 10, they gave me like a six out of 10 or something like that. I remember reading that feedback and be like, ugh, what do they know? Right, like they, they, don't, they don't know me. Or you know what, 99 people didn't say anything about that. So clearly this person's just wrong. And so I kind of just cast it off. And you know what happened? At about 3 a.m. my eyes shot open. <laughs> as I'm laying in bed, I wake up in the middle of the night. And like, I swear it was clear as day. I, I remember thinking, I guess I do do that, don't I? And I'm not gonna tell you what it is because if you ever see me speak, I don't want you to look for it. But whatever it was, what it was, I was very aware that they were right. And, and for whatever reason, maybe they were the only ones to notice this thing about my presentations back then, or maybe they were the only ones on en honest enough to tell me. But whatever it was, 
it kind of stung a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It still stings when I get constructive criticism. But I also took that feedback and I applied it. And the next time I presented, I put a huge part of my focus in trying to eliminate this small thing that they pointed out. And, and I haven't heard that feedback since. And so maybe that means I've gotten better at it. But whatever it was, I know deep down that it made me a better presenter, way better than all of the positive affirmation did. That was all good. That primed me. I, I liked the positive affirmation. But the thing that really uh, made me better at what I do was the constructive criticism. And I know that person wasn't judging me because they don't know me, right? Like they, they know this little piece of me. They saw the hour of me, but they don't know me. And so I'm not, I, I've learned, I'm not gonna let that be an indictment on my character. This person doesn't even know my character. What they do know is what they saw. And what they saw, there was something that I can continue to make better at. And so that's what I did. And it made me better at what I do. And I think it has the ability to make you better at what you do and make your students better at what they do. And so we've got to teach them that and we've got to make sure that we know how to do it as well. And so try the tuning process, try likes and wonders, see if it helps students work, get better and help them learn some of this vernacular, some of this language on how to give and receive constructive feedback. Um, and we'll see what happens. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode. And uh, I can't wait to connect with you again next time. My name is Trevor Muir, and this is the Epic Classroom Podcast. Check out my website at trevormuir.com. And uh, I will talk to you next time. 